Learn not to give a damn. You'll be happier. Welcome to another episode of Podnuts Pro presented by NetAlly. I am your host, Marvin B., coming at you from the great city of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where the weather right now is a lovely 82 degrees and clear. It is a great and fantastic day. I hope you all are doing well. We have a great show lined up for you this evening. I have a brand new guest, first time on the show. Alex J. Farling from Lifecycle Insights. I will bring him on in just a minute. We are going to be talking about a lot of things, I think, but mostly QBRs and how to fix them. And I hope that you will enjoy that. You probably noticed that I said Podnuts Pro hosted by me, presented by NetAlly. Yes, it is official. NetAlly is the presenting sponsor for Podnuts Pro. I will go over all of that in future shows, but yes, you heard that correctly. We are doing sponsorships for the show, and if you would like to participate, you can head over to our Patreon page, and you will see the different levels of sponsorship that you can do. You can also just be a regular patron and give me a little tip jar type of thing. You can also do a cup of coffee, or you can do a PayPal donation, any of those things. But head over to podnosepro.com to see all of the things over there. All right, let's go ahead and get into the show. I'm going to bring on my guest. We will go over news and other stuff in just a bit. But coming to the stage right now from Lifecycle Insights, Alex Farling. Alex, how are you, sir? I'm good, Marvin. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on, and thank you for having such a fantastic green screen behind you. <laughs> as, long as, as long as you don't reach back and do that, everything looks good. <laughs> That's right. Well, I had to take mine down because it wasn't working, but uh, everything is great. So, Alex, um, let me go ahead and ask you a couple of uh, weird questions to start the show. How's the weather by you? It is, it's getting. It's cooling off. The last couple of days, it's been struggling to push over 70. And uh, it's starting to be that miserable thing called fall. So winter is coming. Winter is coming. Sorry to yeah. hear that. Yeah. It's, it's Maryland. You know, we get two days of fall and then winter's here. Yep. It works, right? Yeah. <laughs> thing. All right. And um, later on, we are going to have a fantastic Florida man story. So I want to ask, did you prepare? Are you going to be challenging Florida man or will you be answering a random question? I, you know, I think I'll answer a random question just because <laughs> it's eight o'clock on a on a Wednesday. It is still Wednesday, right? It is Wednesday. It's eight o'clock on a Wednesday. Why not? Okay. All right. Yes. So Podnuts Pro, your podcast for business IT support. We are here just about every Wednesday at eight PM. We present a show where we hope that we will give you products, stories, and tips all in an effort to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. I don't think that will be any different tonight. So let's just get down right to it. Uh, let's see. I already asked you about your weather in Delaware, so that'll be good. 
I'm actually in my, so my MSP was in Delaware. I live in Maryland now. So Maryland. That, that was, yeah, that was part of the reason for exiting the MSP was, you know, I, I Too met far a away. girl, I moved an hour away and then I was driving back and forth to work and uh, it just, it, it, it was a long day. So, uh, you know, it, it just started, it, it was one of, the, one of the factors that helped me decide to, to exit the MSP. Well, I can tell you a way to cure that is to have your MSP be a thousand feet from your house. Yeah, yeah. My office now is, um, I think it's about 20 feet if I walk actually out of my bedroom and around. There you but, go. You know, it's, yeah. Okay. All right. So before we get too far into the show, let us go ahead and do our most enjoyed segment of the show. And we are going to go in the news. So I know that most of the world is getting ready for the Windows 11 release next week. But it has just been announced that only about half of the systems that are eligible for Windows 11 may not be able to because the trusted platform modules, the TPM, do not meet Microsoft's requirements. 19% of them failed and 28% were not TPM compatible or did not have it enabled. Now, I know that I have not enabled a lot of them and Probably most of you have not either, so that is something to consider. So basically, there was an analyzation done of about 30 million Windows devices from 60,000 organizations, and it was found that only 44% of workstations are eligible to receive the automatic upgrade while the rest are ineligible. And really what that means is you'll have to manually upgrade to Windows 11 if you want it. And if you want to know the company that did the analysis, Land Sweeper. So I will have the link in the show notes for you to go and look into that all you want later this evening. And that should be great. Now, I mentioned that we have a fantastic Florida Man story for you today. And I have to show you the video for this. But before I do, I need to give credit to a listener. This is a user, listener, subscribed show. And presented to me were seven Florida Man stories early this morning. Charles Perry was the first one to get this story in. And uh, here comes the video, folks. This is from today. A story over the weekend where a gentleman from Mount Dora, Florida, corralled a gator using a trash can. Now, the story, of course, is going to be great as you watch this video. He literally does use a trash can to catch the gator. and uh, But basically, the best part of this story is all of the Twitter feed comments that came out. Basically, there were comments such as, The man had socks and slides on. That's <laughs> the official uniform of Florida man. And this is incredible but I'd like Florida man to teach my son how to get the recycling out on time. That would really make him my hero. So as you can see there, he got the gator in the can. What happened next? Well, as a good and responsible Florida man, he takes it across the street and lets it go. Like the gator's not going to come back. So another response on YouTube is, I can't get my cat into the pet carrier, but this guy can get a gator into a trash can. 
So there you see he is wandering down the down the embankment there. So the guy's name is Abdul Malik. And the reason I had to turn off the audio is because if you go and listen to it later, I don't want you to yell at me because there is some language in there that some of you might find offensive or might find shocking. But probably not as shocking as this guy who actually caught the alligator put it in a trash can and let it go. And there you can see the gator coming out of the trash can and being released back into nature. The story dedicated to my good friend, Chad, who seems that every Florida man story that he loves involves a gator. I have to say I'm not from Florida, but if I walk outside and saw a gator on my front lawn, my language would not be repeatable on your podcast. So I give, I have to give him a pass on that one. <laughs> so that, that is it. So <clears throat> there we go. So, um, so yeah, you, you travel to Florida every now and then. Have you ever seen a gator in real life? Not, not, uh, not outside of, uh, you know, Gatorland or, uh, you know, one of the exhibits. There's a, there's a big fancy hotel down there that has gators inside, um, in a, you know, in a little swimming pond or whatever. And I can't even remember which place that was, but, uh, uh, that was a hotel that hosted a banking conference. I was say, that's like there's one of those in every town down here. <laughs> okay, there you go. And again, Florida, you guys are you guys are doing it different, right? Yep, we are. We, we are. We have little finches in the in the lobby of a hotel, and you guys have alligators. <laughs> All right, so Alex, let me tell folks uh, how we got you to be on the show today. Yeah. Basically, I was doing research. Yes, folks, I was doing research. I didn't pawn it off on my research team. Or anything like that. I myself was scouring the internet looking for research on another podcast when I came across Alex and a post that he did that was kind of eerily similar to another post that another of our, uh, one of our regular guests does. Uh, and it started out with the title of I were starting an MSP in 2021. So I thought, OK, this is quite interesting. Let me read this. And I read it read your background and thought, well, here's a company I have not heard of. They should be on the show. So that's how we got started and how we met, Alex. I'm going to have to talk to my marketing people because we're going to add your email to a list now. You're, you're going to hear from us now. <laughs> yeah, sure. I didn't realize there was anybody we hadn't found, but we've been trying. Um, yeah, so so that that, uh, that, that post was um, kind of kind of some good fun jest back at, at Dave Sobel, who I think is, you know, incredibly intelligent. I love the spins he takes on the on the you know, the, the pieces that he writes, just a real effort to make people think and to make people step outside their comfort zone. And, uh, but I also love to, to give him a hard time and, and kind of poke back. So when he wrote his post that said we would be a hundred percent cloud and hundred percent Microsoft, I went, you know, what about the 14 G suite users in the world that would have no support in, in that light, in that space. So, you know, somebody has got to, got to go start the MSP that uh, starts born in the cloud for all these kids that are graduating high school and college with their Chromebooks and uh, and really want to live in the G Suite space. Um, I think it's an underserved space in the in the MSP community. Um, and, and I just thought it was an interesting take on you know finding a niche for your MSP and, and doing something a little different from everybody else and doing it well and making a name for yourself. Right. So what's interesting is I also you know not to get into the Microsoft Google debate, but the whole idea of cloud versus on prem because. You know, I have a few customers that still have line of business apps that are, that have to run on a physical server. And yeah. 
Now, granted, you can throw a physical server into the cloud and make it work, but when you're trying to do some sort of integration between those platforms and Office and Outlook and with all these plugins and hooks and things like that, some of these vendors are still far behind the eight ball in getting their stuff to work in the cloud. And, you know, I've got at least five more years that I I can count on my law firm's (laughs) <laughs> to, yeah. to stay behind the eight ball and, and I have to support them. Well, you know, you, you do, but at the end of the day too, you have Citrix, Citrix or RDP farms or however you want to handle it. You can put that stuff in the cloud. It's just a different experience. Right. Um, and every MSP needs to decide, am I okay to say no to business that doesn't fit my core business model? Right. If you go G suite and Chromebooks, my God, you're going to say no to a lot of business. Oh, yeah. um, but the, but the folks who you do business with, they're going to know you're in their corner, you're using their tools, you support their ecosystem, you're going to have some raving fans. And that's something that we're just big fans of over at Lifecycle Insights is building raving fans. Like I want people who are, going to, who are going to want to do business with me because my core culture and my business operates and, and has a lot of similarities to their core culture and their business. So, um, you know, that was my take on it. And, yeah, there's going to be some folks who have some software that's not compatible. Heck, in 2003 or 2004, I don't know. Uh, or very early on, we decided no exchange servers, and we you know we we friended up with this uh, with this other Florida man um, who had a exchange server farm and was uh, was doing hosted exchange before Microsoft 365 was a thing, and we started throwing mailboxes in hosted exchange, and I had I haven't supported an exchange server since 2005, um, so you know it's okay to say no to business that doesn't want to move to the cloud or do the thing you want to do or um, you know really align with your best practices. In fact you're probably better off to do that because you're going to do a better job supporting the people that fit your model, that uh, match your template, that are all the same cookie cutter than you are with the folks who are your one-off or your weird guy who, uh, you know, just didn't quite conform to the model, but you really wanted or needed the business. So you took them. Right. So we should probably let people know. So your company is Lifecycle Insights. And before we get too far into that, we should let people know that you previously had an MSP. So yeah, it's yeah, not like it's not like you're making this uh, stuff up. No. And uh, the the frame of mind that you're coming from is something that you've worked with. Now, in the article, it was funny. There's a couple of points. Uh, you had a whole section entitled "Stop." Yeah, and I, and I wanted to ask you about a couple of those because one of the things you put in there um, <clears throat> was "Stop communicating poorly." Yeah, um, as your advice to other MSPs, um, if you were to start. Well, you know, so so that whole premise comes from a Jim Collins article. And if you know Jim Collins, the author of Good to Great and a bunch of other books, um, he wrote an article back in the early 2000s, I think, that was, you know, it was a New Year's Eve kind of thing. And instead of making a resolution about what you're going to do this year and lying to yourself about something that you're going to, you know, I'm going <laughs> to exercise or I'm going to stop eating pizza or whatever. Um, he says, you know, your stop doing list should be longer than your start doing list because we all have bad habits and it'd be easier to just stop doing something than to start start something new. And, uh, you know, I really took that to heart. And so the stop communicating poorly thing goes right back to wanting to have clients who are raving fans. And as MSPs, we're so locked into what our vendor told us, which is your customer must communicate with you inside of this proprietary system that I sold you that's worth a million dollars and that'll save you a human being and yada, yada, that we forget that our job really is to service the guy on the other side of that. And we really should go to our customers where they are. And if they want to text with us or if they want to um, chat with us or if they want to Slack with us or, or Teams message with us, if we're really working to, to, to work with our customers where they are, 
then we need to understand our customers and how they communicate. And we need to build or utilize systems that allow us to do that. And there are tools out there now that'll let you text in and out of a PSA system. Um, There are tools out there that allow you to text in and out of your office phone system. Um, There's a lot of different ways to accommodate those kind of things. And I think MSP should think, think outside the box because nothing sucks worse than, hey, everything I have is broken. I need help right now. Okay, we'll make a ticket and somebody will call you later. Click. Right. And that is the status quo for support right now. And it's not okay. And and I just think that that's worth a conversation. It is. I'm dealing with a lot of people tell me I'm crazy. Right. I mean, we don't want to have text messaging. We don't want I don't want them calling me. I don't want. But at the end of the day, it's worth the conversation. Well, it is, because if that's what the customer wants, they're either going to get it from you or go find somebody who will. Yeah. And I'm dealing with a customer right now. It's a medical office and they're trying to introduce the secure texting into their system. So right. it's not even me that's trying to do it for, for my business. It's trying to help them with, with theirs. And they were told, so if you replace your voicemail system with this secure texting app, everything will work fine. Well, so what could possibly go wrong? So I spent the weekend doing all the configurations and Saturday afternoon when I did the test, I realized that if I called somebody's extension, it immediately went to that text message voicemail. And I'm like, well, can I get, you know, I called my contact at the client. Granted it was a Saturday and said, I need to get into the portal to extend, you know, the time so that at least there's, you know, four rings or five rings before it goes to voicemail. She's like, Oh, well, they told us we didn't have access to that. We just have to call them and tell them what we want them to do. And I'm like, listen, as an IT guy, I don't like that. Yeah. But I get it. I mean, it's, I don't know how this, it's not a very old system. So, you know, they still may have to work out some bugs and don't want people tweaking around. Breaking, but I'm thinking breaking things faster than they can fix them. Right. But even if it's a customer, if it's, if they want to change, say they want to forward their messages to a, to a cell phone or, or simultaneously ring or something like that, they got to have the chance to pick it up before it goes to, to voicemail. And custom customers are becoming accustomed to being able to log into an application and make a change, right? Yeah. They're, they're getting used to these kind of things. They're dealing with it with voice over IP phones. They're dealing with it with their, just their email. Hey, you go out of office, you log into 365, you tell your, you, you, know, you tell your email, you're going to be back in a week and you can make that change. You can tweak that setting um, to not be able to do it. Again, it's, you're not meeting your customer where they're at. And it's not a very, very wonderful customer experience. And we spend a ton of time, uh, at Lifecycle Insights, talking about the customer experience and how to make it better. So it's something we're just fanatical about. All right. So then here's another stop moment that you put in there, and I'll see how it translates not only for your yeah. business but for this podcast where you say stop trying to have some value for everyone. There's more value in killing it in your niche. Well, and that was my whole point about going after these G Suite customers, right? We try and be everything to everyone in technology. They and, and I was guilty of it when I had my MSP. I said, if it's fancier than a toaster and you plug it into the wall, call me and I'll help you through it, right? And I, I can't count the number of times I told somebody something like that. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we, we tried to support customers who had a vast array of different configurations and uh, different setups. And by the time I ended my MSP, by the time I left, uh, you know, exited the MSP, if a customer was smaller than 10 seats, we absolutely told them it is cloud RDP. Everything in your office gets forklifted to the cloud or we'll help you find another provider, but we're not the right people for you. Mm. Because I knew 
that in a cloud RDP solution, I could throw everything in the kitchen sink at it. I could have, you know, all of my security, security stack, everything built on top of RDP. It's all in a standardized environment. All my sub 10, sub 10 user customers had exactly the same configuration and I knew it worked and it was easy to troubleshoot. We could deal with it. And I no longer had to deal with these companies that would spend $500 a month with me. And if I spent two hours on them, I lost money. So there's something to be said for, I'll take you if you fit my mold. And if you don't, you're probably just going to cost me money anyway. I'm going to be bent out of shape because you're costing me money. You're going to be bent out of shape because I'm bent out of shape and I don't treat you well enough. And it's going to be a toxic relationship. We have better relationships with people who fit the mold and people who we can really move into our core products and services and, and who move, move along our way. And I can tell you, I fought with customers and said, we got to get you out of G Suite. We've got to move you into 365 so that we can give you better support. And if I was starting over, you know, if I really wanted to make a niche, if I was going to G Suite, I'd go marketing and looking for those G Suite customers and not try and talk Office 365 customers into moving because there's enough people in that niche that you could run a very profitable business out of it and not have to do it all over again. And I'm not saying that's the best answer for everybody. I wrote that literally in response to Dave saying, hey, I'm writing this thing about if I were an MSP today and I'm going to get people thinking. And I went, okay, let me make people think another direction, right? Um, you know, I honestly, I would never start another MSP because it's a crazy business. You guys work insane hours. Um, then they're done that. And the cybersecurity scares the snot out of me today. You know, I'm a, I'm a salesman who was in a techie world because it was fun. And, um, you know, it's it's a very scary thing that these MSPs deal with today. So I wouldn't start a new one. But if I was, you know, I would definitely find that niche. Well, let's talk about how you did start yours. I, yeah. you know, I watched you on another show where you talked about the fact that you started your company or I shouldn't say you started your MSP by accident. You were actually yeah. doing um, IT business before that. Yeah, well, I did what a lot of MSPs do, right? I, I had a mom and pop break fix shop. And so at, at 27 years old, I was an obnoxious punk. I was unemployable. Um, you know, I'd, I'd been fired. I had been, uh, my, the last job that I had was actually shipped overseas to India. So I had been, uh, you know, laid off. And uh, I just decided that I needed to do something for myself because I was tired of working for somebody else and not really having control over where things were going. So I bought this little teeny tiny break fix shop with the help of my parents, give me a little bit of the money that was left over when I dropped out of college. And uh, we bought this little tiny break fix shop and uh, turned it from break fix into a little bit of small business support. Um, we had one commercial client when we bought it. They were still a client 16 and a half years later. I'm very proud of that. Um, and I grew it for 16 and a half years. In 2008, my biggest customer came to me and said, we got to figure out how to cut travel costs. You're driving all over the state to support our 11 locations. And, you know, we, we've got to do something different. So we found this thing called Lab Tech that a couple guys in Ohio were building in their basement. And uh, I think we were a customer 35 or 40. Um, you know, it was very early on with Lab Tech. Um, we bought the licenses, we installed our own server, and we became this MSP thing. Um, we did everything wrong that everybody talks about. You know, my first customer went out the door at $48 a seat, um, you know, for, for managed services in 2008. Um, all you can eat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was all you could eat. It was, <laughs> I, I, we, did what, we did what everybody did back then. We went, okay, we added up all their invoices for the last 12 months. Um, it averaged this much money, which is $48 a seat. Okay, we'll sell it to you for $48 a seat. Now I don't have to drive. That's a win. Um, then, you know, years and years later, I was still fighting that fight with that customer to get them up to the revenue numbers that we needed, but we had, we had slowly, but surely, um, added value, added products, added services, and, and started to move folks up the chain. But we had the same problems that every other MSP did that started in 2008. We had no idea what we were doing. We were, we were inventing it as we went. Um, you know, we were paving the road three feet in front of the car and, uh, it, that's a tough way to do business, but, uh, ultimately it worked out. All right. And that, uh, we'll talk about your journey a little bit more, but, uh, yeah. You just sold your 
MSP business. Now you're yeah. uh, a year ago, 13 months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, glad to be out. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, number one, I had grown it as far as an, as an ADHD sales guy is going to run, is going to grow a business. Right. I was, I was struggling to, to find the right operational people to run behind me and, and clean up the messes that a sales guy creates. But, uh, but at the same time, um, I had moved an hour away, you know, got engaged, moved an hour away. Um, the company was just, it was, it was a tough run for me. Um, we got a great offer in the middle of COVID and my attorney basically called me and said, uh, I got a guy you need to meet. He's going to buy your company. And I went, what do you mean he's going to buy my company? It's COVID. You know, one of my customers is, is a laundromat for, um, for hospitality. Like they're not even, they're hardly even open. Like I've got other customers. I'm not sure if they're going to make it. And this guy's going to buy my company. There's no way he's going to make me a good deal. And my attorney said, you pay me a lot of money to, to shut up and do what I tell you to do. So take the phone call. And I went, oh, sir, yes, sir. Okay. And I took the phone call. And 45 days later, I was, I had a check in hand and I was out of the company. Nice. So it, it moved fast and it was, uh, it was, a, it was a good experience. Uh, and I had, and I had considered selling before and taking some other offers and they just weren't, weren't good offers. One they, you know, they were either bad offers or they, they, they had no personal guarantees and things like this. And this was a legit straight up offer that was really hard to say no to. So, and, you know, we had started Lifecycle Insights two years before that. So I was splitting time between the MSP as if I wasn't ADHD enough. Um, the MSP was only getting 20 hours a week out of me. So, you know, it was, uh, it was time for it to go. And uh, by that point, we knew we kind of had lightning in a bottle here with Lifecycle Insights with this thing that's really um, kind of taken off and going crazy. So, uh, and in that year, since I left the MSP, we're up about 400% uh, in MRR here at Lifecycle Insights. So, um, it was the right move and, and we're having a blast. All right. So let's go ahead and make that transition and talk about what we titled um, yeah. the QBR, the dreaded QBR. Yeah. And I know that some people try to change it to TBR or, you know, customer success talk or, or whatever. But the bottom line is when I looked at your company and I looked at what you offered, I'm thinking, I need that. But because all of the things that you described as issues that we have in going mm -hmm. to customers and having those sit down talks is that the reports that we create and the talks that we have are off are off point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me first ask you, is this something that you noticed because of the MSP that you started to to migrate to Lifecycle Insights? Yeah, yeah. I, um, so I was playing volleyball in a, in a gym over on the eastern shore of Maryland in this little tiny town and uh, walked off the court one evening and one of my business partners comes up to me and says, um, hey, you know, me and some really good programmers were leaving our day jobs. Consequently, they were in ed tech and Toma Bravo bought their company, too, mm. um, and bought it, brought its culture with them. And they said, we just don't like the culture and we're, we're going to go do something else. We're looking for something to build. Do you have any ideas? I said, well, I spent seven hours today making spreadsheets out of my PSA and my RMM tool and out of my warranty lookup tool and you know, out of all these things, trying to cobble it all together and make it pretty. And the whole time I'm sitting at my desk with a sign over my desk that says, if you have to do it twice, automate it. Now, that to me was just a slap in the face. Like we did all this work by hand. We built QBRs out of spreadsheets and Word docs and, and, and did it all manually. This one took me seven hours. It was for that same biggest client that I had at my MSP. Um and I wasn't proud of the output that I came out with. You know, I was not, I'm not an Excel genius. It wasn't pretty. It was okay. Um, I, I expected to deliver better for the amount of money that I charged this customer. So I sat down with these folks and said, look, you know, all this data already exists in my tools. 
we should be able to click a button and it should just pop out and I shouldn't spend seven or eight hours working on it. And so we started with the, with the premise that we were going to automate the thing that MSPs still do manually because MSPs had made the digital transition, right? All this stuff was coming out in spreadsheets. It was all digital, but there was no automation to it. So we have one partner who said he spent 12 hours doing this stuff before he found us. And he did a hell of a QBR. He was, his 12 hours were well spent, but my God, that's, that's time you can't get back. And uh, so, so our, our goal was to automate that just to make it easier, make it smoother and really just help people stay on a strategic path instead of doing this thing that the vendors told us we had to do, which was, look, you, you do all this automation, you do all this remote work. You never see your clients anymore. You got to go meet them and justify your existence. Right. Yep. And that's kind of what our vendors told us the QBR was. And we couldn't have been more misled as an industry because that has no value to our customer. If you give that QBR, hey, here's how many spams I anti-spammed and here's how many viruses that I anti-virused and I did your backups and I fixed three printer tickets last last quarter. See, I was actually showing up for work. They're going to go, duh, that's what I pay you for. Why did you just waste an hour of my time? Right. And then everybody comes to you and says, nobody wants to come to my QBR. I don't understand why. Because we didn't deliver any value. So, you know, we're really trying to shift this conversation in the industry. And, and it was something that I think we did well is, is try to focus this towards strategy. What's coming up next? What is their business doing? What is changing in their business? And how can technology enable that? How can we use tech to solve a problem instead of to be a problem? And when we can do that, we become an integral piece of the business instead of just that guy who comes and meets with you every, every quarter to try and justify his existence. So is there a fundamental problem in the way that we think? Because I'll be honest, I don't know if anybody else would, but you know what? I just stopped doing them because it was a pain in the butt. And yeah, the customer always was thinking, so this is a meeting for you to figure out a way to charge us more. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't that suck? And I was like, I mean, I wasn't going to lie. I'm like, well, my costs are going up. And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, so, so are ours. (laughs) So they think if you, if you, if they just stop showing up, you can't charge them more. Right. Yeah. It's, but at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're missing out on the opportunity to sit down with our customer, rebuild the relationship that we lost by going fully remote. And we're missing the opportunity to really sit and give them guidance on how technology is changing, what new risks they really do have and what they need to do to stay compliant and to stay up to, to stay up to speed. Um, you know, nobody can look at the market today and say, you know, the same antivirus I had in 2008 works. Uh, if that was the case, we wouldn't see breaches left and right. We wouldn't see companies like, uh, you know, Solar Winds and, uh, you know, the, the, the folks in our industry. But even, you know, Atlanta PD or was it Atlanta PD, Bal- Bal- town of Bal- city of Baltimore, Atlanta PD, all these all these major companies that put millions in cybersecurity getting breached. Antivirus and a firewall just don't do it anymore. And we've got to have that conversation with our customers. Yeah. And if we're too busy in our QBR going, but see, I put 12 hours into your work last quarter. So I actually did work and justify the money that we, that you spent on me. We're not even having the right conversation. So our goal is to turn that into this strategic conversation. This is Mr. Customer. Here's where your gaps are. Here's where, you know, we've barely got a finger in the dam and, and there's problems coming. And here's some options. Then you can either choose to take them or you can choose to not take them. That's up to you but it's my job to be transparent with you and let you know where your risk lives. And so that's the conversation that I want people to have at a business review. And if they can have that conversation um, as well as deliver some value when they get there, and we ask our customers to deliver a budget when they show up. And so if you can deliver value like that, when you show up, all of a sudden there's a reason for the customer to sit across the table. 
I tell my customers now what they're going to spend in 2024 in technology. And if 2024 is going to be a really crappy year because the, the Windows XP machines that they all replaced together are now the Windows 7 machines they all replaced together are now the Windows 10 machines that are all going to become five or six years old together in 2024. If I can warn them about it three years in advance or four years in advance, I'm no longer the jerk who just goes, knock, knock, I need 20 grand. And that's the problem with MSPs is we've never planned ahead. When Windows 7 died, we knocked on the door and went, I need 20 grand. Please write me a check. And our customer went, when are you going to do this to me next time? And they hope that if they don't take our meeting, we will do that. Well, isn't that a fault of ours? Because, and I'll be yeah. honest, I've had that conversation where I had to go to a law firm who a lot of times they're like, well, we don't know what we're going to have to spend until the end of the year when we see how much money we have left. Yeah. And then I have to show up with, okay, I need 75 grand for new servers. And they're like, oh, <laughs> we didn't make that much this year. Sorry. Right. And yeah. so, being able to plan out, you know, which is what I did with that particular customer, is I say, look, we're going to need to spend money every year, and so why don't we split it up? And you just know that that's part of your budget. Like you, you said, you know, come to the meeting with the budget. That's one of the faults I think that we have is we don't get into their budget. We don't get into strategy, and we stay in this tactical world where we're like. Open a ticket, kill a ticket, open a ticket, kill a ticket, right? Take a phone call, get off a phone call, solve a problem, move, move on to the next. And do it we faster. Never think about, yeah. And we never think about the big picture, which is how do we help our, our, our customers succeed in their business so that the money they spend with us is a smaller sliver of the money that they make. And if we can do that, if I can help him make 10 grand and he's got to spend a grand, he's not going to be so mad. If, if I can help him make a million and he's got to spend 50 grand, he's not going to be so mad. He's going to be furious with me if I don't tell him anything. My technology doesn't enable him. He just fights with it and, and occasionally wins. And then I knock, knock on, the end of the, on the door at the end of the year and go, hey, I need money. And so and this came, a lot of this came from a customer that I had who in southern Delaware, if you're not familiar with the, with, with the area, it, it's, it's redneck, right? We, we got our good old boys and their jacked up pickup trucks and we're having a good old time. We're right, lighting bonfires in the cornfields and, you know, life is good, right? And yep. I'm proud to be. To, to, to be a redneck from, from Southern Delaware. But, you know, when you, when you go down there, there, there's, there may be a, a jacked up pickup truck with a shotgun rack in the back. And uh, one of my customers may have one time threatened to go out there and, and take that shotgun out of the rack when I told him I had, I needed 20 grand. And that was why I came down to visit him that day. He says, if you ever do that to me again, we're going to have a whole different conversation. And I went, okay, not doing that again. And, but that's what started to turn my, my attention to it was I realized that, they never knew when we were going to come for the next 20 grand or the next 10 grand or the next 30. We'd just come say, let me fix the problem that's in front of us today. That firewall, that switch, that server, that other stuff, we'll deal with that later. And so now in our platform, we've built the ability to not only bring bring all of the technology stack that they have in, as, as far as a budget, but we're importing things like contracts from other vendors so that I can show them how much they spend on their EHR solution and how much they spend on their Salesforce and how much they spend on SSL certificates and you name it, it's in there. So now we do total cost of ownership budgeting and we're like, here's what all of IT costs, not just what, not just my Maserati payment, right? So now it no longer looks like Alex is just trying to pay for his boat. We're helping them strategically plan. And what I realized was we never know if your law firm was renewing their amicus subscription that costs them $20,000 every three years at the same time where you're hitting them up for a server. You right. never know that because we don't ask those questions. We don't get in that deep. So we're trying to reframe this so that MSPs will come deliver that value on the, the full side, the, the full MSP value, the, the, v, the C and the VCIO, that C-level executive who works for their company. 
instead of the account manager who just works for my company. And, and I think there's a big difference between those two roles and those two titles. And we don't talk about it enough, but a VCIO is a C-level executive at somebody else's company, not at mine. And they've got to take the entire company risk, the entire company profile, the entire company budget and build it. And I was in Austin a couple of weeks ago and watched somebody up on stage who I think is pretty smart say, budgets don't get cut. Expenses get cut. When times get tough, if you're on the budget, you don't get cut. Well, heck, I'm, I'm writing the budget from now on then. <laughs> right. right. And I don't think he's wrong. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of stuff here, let me go back and ask. So one of the things that I tried to do in the in the beginning and then I slacked off and now I'm doing it again is before I engage with a customer, there's got to be a full sit-down meeting to completely learn who each other is. Yeah. Meaning, yeah. tell me about your business, you know, you know, and if you ask me about my hourly rate, that's not going to be good enough. Because my hourly, yeah, my hourly rate means nothing unless I know what you need, what you want, and stuff like that. So are we are we coming at this incorrectly by not having those fully engaged meetings up front as opposed to yes. presenting them, here's our book of service, here's our MSA, sign it and we'll take care of you. And we'll take anybody who can write the check, right? And and I think so. This varies in my mind, right? You have MSPs in different. Everybody's in a different place in their in their maturity of, of their MSP, right? If you're the little guy who's just getting by and you need every dollar from every customer, I'm not telling you to go out and get rid of any of your customers or to not take new business that comes in front of you. But your goal should be on all of your new business to have that conversation early, right? And we we actually teach folks to lead with a mini QBR, right? Your sales pitch should be a quarterly business review. Here's all the risk you have in your environment. Here's what I think you need to do to change it. Here's how delivering my managed services solves for a big chunk of it. Here's the pieces we don't solve for. And I'm going to meet with you every quarter or every six months or once a year. We're going to have a strategic conversation just like this. I'm going to bring some documents that look kind of like this this sample budget over here and like this sample risk assessment and, and this sample project recommendation. And we're going to do this thing together every quarter to get you a score in the, in the 95th percentile so that we know that you're in a good place. And that's how, that's what working with me feels like, Mr. Customer. Is that the kind of relationship you want to have? And if you hire a customer that way, they see you way different than the guy that just comes in and says, hey, here's my trouble ticket icon. Click it when you have a problem and, and we'll come fix it. And so if we stop selling ourselves short when we're selling ourselves, we'll have a better relationship down the road. So now let's jump forward and talk about how you prepare for that in terms of a mini QBR. So yeah. what is it that we are trying to do with our stuff? You talked about taking information from our PSA and our accounting and our warranty lookup and all of that stuff and putting into a report. So and that's all the stuff you lose when you're doing a new sale, right? You don't have access to that because right. I don't have my RMM tool deployed. I haven't, haven't documented their network in my IT right. glue. I, I don't know everything. Right. So you know, with a brand new customer, I'm just going to do a walkthrough and I'm going to go meet with the customer and I'm going to run one of the 400 scanning tools that are out there against their network and see what I can dig up. And I'm going to answer 30 or 40 questions on a small risk assessment, right? I'm doing my, my Jiffy Lube 100 point, uh, you know, safety check. Um, and I'm going to go give them that. And I'm going to go sit down with the customer and say, look, this is what I look at pre-sale. Six months from now, I'm going to be looking at three times this much stuff. And we're going to continue to dial your environment in. And yes, I'm going to move the change. I'm going to, I'm going to move the goalposts. 
Um, you know, when you've been with me for six weeks, I don't expect you to be as dialed in as when you've been with me for six years. Um, and somewhere in between, we're going to continue to move the chains. And, and I always use, um, you know, 365 as an example. When I'm doing a risk assessment, I'm going to go sit down with my customer and go, brand new prospect, you're using Microsoft 365. That's a green checkbox. Good deal. I can work with that, right? It may be totally broke inside. Who cares? Because I'm going to log in and I'm going to check it out and I'm going to give it a once over and I'm going to right size it and resecure it and make sure that it's right anyway as part of my onboarding process. Because I want to make sure the last guy didn't leave himself a doorway in. Everybody's got MFA enabled. There's you know mail flow rules and all this other stuff. So if they're in 365 on day one, happy. If they're just in 365 on day 200, I'm, I'm pretty bent out of shape because I want to know that we have a mail flow rule in there that says anything from an outside organization gets a banner on the top and zip attachments are blocked and, you know, everybody's got MFA and, you know, that, that we're doing the right things to secure that tool. So I think it's a the, the same way that every MSP is kind of going through a growing period, gr- growing, you know, process. So should our customer and so should their technology. We can't go in and block everything on day one because they won't be able to log into 365. Everything will be broke. They won't be able to get an email. They won't be able to work and they'll hate us. So over time, we just have to continue continue to iteratively improve our customer's security standing to get them to where we want them to be. So in that first call, I'm presenting a whole lot less info, but I'm trying to give them a feel for what it looks like to, to work with me. And on day 365, I'm delivering a lot more info because I have a lot more info. And we're having a more detail, detailed conversation, even though I gave them this introduction to it on day one. Okay. So as you're going through this and, and that process that you mentioned, when you mm-hmm. go there, scan their network, that's all what I consider first contact for me. Yeah. I will go in and try to gather as much information as I can before I even talk a number with them. Right. Um, and then I sit down and ask some questions. What is it? You know, of course, you know, the, the famous, what, what are your pain points? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's more as what do you see your company in one year, five years? Because yeah. that, that I think is going to drive a lot of our discussion. So, it should, right. You know, if their goal is to, you know, to not use any more computers than they use now. And, uh, you know, the, the guy's 68 years old and getting ready to retire. Do you really want to put any energy and time into that customer, not knowing who's going to buy them, where they're going to wind up, what's going to happen? Probably not. Um, You know, we we had a dry cleaner as a customer, and I I just knew that the minute that the old man retired, they were going to blow up and start using more technology because the younger kids cared about it. The old man was holding them all back. There's some of both of those, and you need to know which of the which one of those two customers do you have. And and that's that's important when you're when you're out there prospecting. Okay. So now let's move forward. You've got the customer. You're in there doing your stuff. You're building up maybe for your first or second uh, QBR meeting or whichever meeting you have. You talked about pulling all of these things from your current stuff. So yeah. let me go ahead and ask the question that people are going to ask. You know, What is it that you're pulling? Uh, which stuff do you work with? I mean, yeah. how do the reports so, look? <laughs> yeah, so we integrate with um, IT Glue. Uh, Autotask, ConnectWise, Synchro, and Halo PSA out of England. So we got a, a wide smattering of those PSAs and, and kind of what I consider to be our source of truth products. Um, then we do some other stuff. We'll do your warranty lookups for your Dells, your HPs, your Lenovo's, your Surfaces, your Cisco devices, those kind of things. We'll do Meraki warranty lookups and, and Cisco SmartNet lookups. So let me stop so, there. So you're doing yeah. the lookups. You're not yeah. utilizing our software. So if if we're using nope. whatever ScalePad or or whatever, you no. Know, okay. You know, if you're if if ScalePad has a warranty lookup that we don't, if you need SonicWall, for example, then then you need to hang out with ScalePad. Um, but we'll do the base ones, the, okay. the what I consider to be the kind of permission to play ones that everybody really ought to be. I mean, let's be honest. All 
the PSA should be doing that for us. We shouldn't be paying extra for that. Um, but uh, so, yeah, those are those are kind of the, the starter things that we do. And we don't require an, an extra service to do that. Um, we also tie into Microsoft 365. So we'll go out and look at your users in 365, make sure they're still logging in, make sure that they're active, make sure they have licenses assigned to them. Uh, and we'll do some license reconciliation with 365. All that said, all those integrations short of the, the PSA one are just to supplement the data that's in the PSA. So I can go to my PSA and I can get users. I can get um, assets. So I should know, you know, what switches, firewalls, PCs, servers, all that kind of stuff that we have. And I should also be able to go in there and say, uh, hey, let's look at the contracts that the customer has. So if I'm billing him for, for a data appliance, then, hey, great, here's a BDR contract. And maybe I've got a cloud backup contract. Great, that's in there. I can pull all those expenses too. And by massaging and utilizing the data that we have, right? I know you have a PC. I know what day you bought it because Dell told me when I looked at their API, I add three to five years to that and call it end of life. And then I put its replacement price on the budget for you. Um, you know, I go look at your monthly managed services and your monthly data appliance. and I put that price on the budget for you. And I go look at your QuickBooks subscription and, and say, oh, every three years, that's got to be replaced. We'll put that in the budget. And we just start to automate this process of building the budget. And we have what we like to call the zero-click budget, where if you've just massaged the data and, and pulled it into our, into our platform, the budget's just there for you. You don't have to do anything. You just click print. And if you want 12 months or five years, you got to click a couple buttons to decide how you want it formatted. Um, then you got your biggest decision is Word or Excel, right? Am I going to make it prettier? Or am I going to send it to the to the finance person to mangle it and play with it themselves? <laughs> so, you know, our goal is to automate all of that because as MSPs, you know, I remember standing out there outside of my office door watching my techs do a, a Microsoft MDT deployment. And they're going, okay, we can deploy Windows 7, we can join it to a domain, we can add the lab tech agent, we can install the antivirus, we can do this, we can do that. We, and out comes a machine that's got Adobe and Microsoft and all these tools on it and all this automation. And my guys went, click, click, right? And it just went. And then I go to do a QBR and I'm like paper and, you know, printing stuff and trying to, and it's just ridiculous. So all of it's around how easy can we make it? And there's some parts of it that we just, there's only so much we can do to simplify it. But everywhere we can, we're finding ways to, remove another click to remove 15 more minutes or take a complex process that maybe you were the only person in your organization could do yesterday then document and put enough framework around it that now you can hand it down to a junior engineer or to an intern or something like that. So that, you know, these processes just don't take as long. Okay, sweet. So we're going to run out of time. I know, but let me ask a couple I of other, too much. It's, no, it's, no, <laughs> here's the thing. These types of discussions, they need time. I mean, it's, yeah, you can't just knock all this out in 30 minutes to an hour. Right. But on your website, so you mentioned um, assessments, risk analysis. Let me ask the question from the standpoint of somebody that has to deal with compliance, HIPAA, mm -hmm. FINRA, yeah. stuff like that. Do these types of reports that come out of your system rival what we would have to pay third-party uh, vendors for? Yes, but – um, you can get the report you need out of our tool. I would tell anyone that this is your preparation for the actual FINRA audit okay. or the actual, uh, you know, HIPAA audit. You know, you need to go through and make sure your ducks are in a row. You need to do you need to do your due diligence. You need to give your customer a user list every quarter or every month to show that they're that they're inventorying their users. You need to give them an asset list every month to show them that they're, that they're inventorying their assets. These are parts of all these other um, compliance standards. Um, is our tool the one that's going to be 
you know, your source of truth for, for everything HIPAA. No, you still need a, a customized platform that goes straight at HIPAA for that. Um, but we have a lot of partners doing a lot of different compliances in our tool. Everything from NIST 800-171, NIST 53, um, CMMC, CIS, um, all of those are being done in our system uh, every day. Okay, sweet. And it's super customizable. You can bring any standard you want. So we have folks doing the Australian Essential 8 in our platform. Um, you know, If you didn't know, that's their version of, of NIST. So you name it, they're doing it on our platform. And it's, it's designed to be bring your own compliance questions, bring your own standards, because I'm a firm believer that your MSP is going to be different from mine, right? And that means when you come to my tool, you shouldn't have to lose the DNA that made your, that made your clients like you, that made your clients like your MSP. It, it shouldn't change you. We should be flexible enough that you can come to us with your data and we can put it out in talking points that you're comfortable talking about. And that was one of the key tenants for us was being super customizable, super flexible so that you keep your own DNA and we just automate the process for you. All right. So I just lost my question, but that's okay. We'll go on to another one. Um, so I will put in the show notes, folks, the link to his website, lifecycleinsights.io. And one of the things, of course, I liked about your site is that even though it's for MSPs, um, most vendors like to hide pricing and, you know, force you to call and do a thing. Yours is on there. I mean, now granted, you should still probably call and get more information and find out what it does for you. Sure. Yep. Um, but it seems too simple to me. Well, we, so we are simple people, <laughs> right? Um, we have, we have some core values and our, and our first is raving fans and our second is transparency. So if I want to tell you my core value is transparency, I certainly can't hide my pricing from you. Let's just put it out there. Um, and let's face it, there's a million Slack channels. If somebody wants to know my pricing, they're going to go ask anyway, and they're going to get it. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, our job, our goal, it goes. this goes back to where you and I started this conversation. We got to find a way to go to where our customers are, to be frictionless to work with, and to make their job easier. If, I'm, if my sales process makes your job harder, you're, you're not going to like me from the door. Uh, if my job is e if if my sales process makes it easy for you, whether you're a self-adopt kind of guy who wants to watch the videos, read the read the documents, and figure it out himself, or whether you're a guy that wants white glove onboarding, hand holding, whatever, we need to be able to provide both of those both of those experiences to two different people. So you know, as as customer success folks, and that's really what our focus is, is helping you make sure your customers succeed. We have to we we have to live that. We have to we have to breathe that, and we have to show it back to the MSPs. So at the end of the day. We're, we're, we're teaching MSPs. We're working with partners. We see them as partners. And, uh, you know, we're not uh, – and, and we're big fans of making the data that you have transparent and available to your customer, right? That's really our goal for you. So it all boils down to transparency and raving fans, which are two things that were just born into our, our uh, DNA. Okay. And the licensing is per active customer. Yeah. Um, you have no user limit. So no. anybody in my company can use this? Anybody in your company can use it and you can let your customers have access to it too. If you want them to be able to see select pieces, you could have them just be able to see their asset list or just oh. be able to see the contracts page. We actually have MSPs out there who have their customers trained to enter their own contracts. So they sign up for a new you know, subscription for anything technology. They go out and key in the contract and it shows up on the budget. So that would be perfect. Cause I do have a customer that they want all the time. They're like, Oh, we need to run an inventory. Can you get that for us? Yeah. That'd be no great problem. for me just to say, get it yourself here, go to this site, grab it. You do it yourself. It's also, yeah, it's also great if you have co-managed services, right? Who's responsible for disabling and sanity checking all the Microsoft accounts and all that kind of stuff? Well, now we can see it all in one portal. We, we 
bring stuff to bubble stuff to the top when it's not right, when an account probably should have been deprovisioned and it's not and things like that. So, um, you know, we, we encourage uh, everybody to get in the system and log in the system. But at the same point, um, I don't want your engineers to have to log into our tool. Our goal is to make sure that their data can live in, you know, in your PSA, that they can continue to run out of whatever tool they live in, right? Because if it's not in insert PSA here, it didn't happen. Um, you know, we want them to still be able to live here, but your account managers really, at the end of the day, spend a ton of time in our tool. And the more we tighten up those integrations with the PSAs, we're working on additional write-backs, additional functionality in the PSA, so that your account manager really can live in our tool, but we can capture the cost and the expense and the uh, the, the tickets and the tasks and all those things and still write them back to the PSA so your contracts are uh, – you can properly report on profitability and all those kind of things. All right. So let me go back and now ask the question, this is, what, year three or four for you? So we started development three years ago. Okay. We went live at IT Nation on Halloween 2019. Um, so that was when we, when we officially launched the product, we had four beta partners at that point and we went down to IT nation, we bought a booth, we stood around and, uh, and, and shilled the product to partners. Um, so Halloween this year will be, will be two years, uh, officially supporting partners. All right. So when you got approached by those guys to say, Hey, we're looking to do a project and this is kind of what you were thinking of, is it better than you thought? Or do you think there's still a long ways to go? I both. Right. There's right. always a long ways to go. The more we get into it, the more we realize there's more we could do. Um, that said, I could never have imagined what these guys have built. My developers are amazing. I get to sit out here and do this kind of stuff and get the accolades for their hard work. Uh, when really all I do is talk to partners all day and bitch and complain that our platform doesn't work and, and <laughs> you know, doesn't have all the features that we want or need. Uh, when in, in, in reality, it does a hundred things I never would have dreamed of. Right. So, you know, still a long ways to go. We have, uh, we're, we're going to be doing a big feature release at IT Nation again this year. So our, our second year return to IT Nation, we're going to kind of go out with a bang on that one. There'll be a whole new module coming with a bunch of new functionality. Um, as well, uh, you know, we've got development plans well into 2022 and a, a product roadmap uh, that's, you know, quarters long that uh, all comes from feedback from our partners. So they just keep telling us what they need to succeed and we just keep building it. All right. And have you been approached by some of the other platforms to uh, integrate with them? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. can you integrate um, with my RMM or this one or that one? Yeah, I don't think we'll ever do RMMs, to be totally honest. Um, you know, I, uh, we have, we have this conversation on the regular. Um, I need more visibility than an RMM gives me okay. to be able to produce the kind of reports that I produce. RMMs are great at anything you can install an agent on anything you can't install an agent on. They kind of stink. Um, but we've, we, we have a lion guards one I didn't mention. We do pull some data from lion guard. Um, we have, we've talked to folks like Ovic and, um, you know, some of those kind of guys about whether or not there's data we can get there. Most of the time that data makes it back to LionGuard or makes it back, or I'm sorry, makes it back to IT glue or makes it back to the PSA anyway. Right. So direct integration doesn't have a ton of value to us or to our partners. Um, what we're really looking at is what other kinds of data sources can we t connect to? So um, later this year, we'll be releasing an integration to breach secure now. Um, we're going to be integrating with CyberHoot once they finish their API so that now we can bring in that employee training info. So when I give you a report that's here's your users and here's who's logged into 365 recently and here's who clicks on every phishing simulation we send out and who's going to get you breached, you should take their keyboard away, right? And we'll be able to give you more information uh, that, that's usable about your about your customers. So 
um, you know, we're looking at those kind of integrations really as to what moves the needle, what moves the bar. Um, well, you know, obviously, um, Kaseya and SolarWinds will get those integrations done. We don't integrate to BMS today and we don't integrate to SolarWinds MSP Manager today. Um, so those two are on our roadmap, um, but just fairly low priority because we find that IT Glue gets us a wide swath of those partners right. anyway. Well, yeah, because most of us have one of those. Not that we don't appreciate, yeah. Yeah, not that we don't appreciate, you know, Kaseya and, and SolarWinds and, and no no ill will to either one of them. IT Glue is a Kaseya product, so every Kaseya partner pretty much has it. Right. Um, we, every now and again, we come across somebody that we can't align with, but most folks, we have a, a big enough integration uh, base that we can that we can work with. All right. Well, uh, Alex, we're probably going to have to have you back. And uh, if you're willing to put up with me again, I'm willing to come back. Well, it's it's all the questions that are going to come because yeah, people yeah. will be like, well, you should have asked him this and you should have asked him that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll do it next time. And I have a feeling that there needs to be some sort of Alex versus Dave conversation. Oh, Dave's smarter than me, though. That's not fair. Yeah, but I can I can even I, the playing field. Yeah. <laughs> can we can we tie have his brain behind his back? <laughs> we can just tell him you're not allowed to think theoretical. That's what right, right, right. Dave gets way too far out ahead of me. Yeah. I love giving him a hard time and I love I love poking at him, but he's a sharp dude. He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh thank you for those of you that have watched the live show here. If you're listening to the audio, once again, Alex Farling with Lifecycle Insights. And all of these things that we've talked about will be in the show notes, the link to his site, lifecycleinsights.io, and the articles that we referenced at the beginning of the show. That uh, we only talked about one of them. I didn't even bring up the second one because I, I knew we were going to run time. But there was a second one where you wrote, "Hey MSP, you're not a doctor." Yeah. So uh, that we can I, get into that one next time. I found that to be a, a good read. Um, well, now I have a goal. Now I have to write something else obnoxious between now and the next time we talk. <laughs> I would do that. Um, and you did say you were going to stay with us uh, for the post show, right? Sure. All right. So anybody that is. Uh, Watching here, there was a comment I saw earlier, and I meant to do it, but we kept going. But I wanted to say, as you were talking this, this great uh, quote came up where it said, 100 elbow cough, love that. And uh, I think that was when we just started talking about the uh, mistakes that we as MSPs make when we go in to do our first QBR, our first assessment, and all of that, so... I, I can't even count the mistakes anymore. So now, now I just try and learn from them all. All right. And I see Barry and Tom with your comments in the chat. Thank you guys very much for participating. Ramey, John, uh, all of the, all of my peanuts that come out and visit us folks. Uh, just a reminder, as I said earlier, we are here every Wednesday, almost every Wednesday. I won't be here Christmas, Thanksgiving weeks, that sort of thing. But Wednesdays, 8 PM, uh, we'll be back with another great show. And I should let everybody know that next week we are going to be having up-level systems back. They have some major updates to their firewall product and routing product. They've added some great features. So I'm going to have them back on. And if you have not gone back and listened to the last two episodes because you're listening out of order, you really need to do that where we talked about the conferences and TechCon Unplugged. Last week, we did a follow-up, what I learned at TechCon Unplugged. Uh, I think that was a great episode. And out of that episode, I should probably also say that I had a nice hour-and-a-half-long conversation with Synology today. Oh, 
And I've told everybody that I've been switching over and using more Synology products. I had a big conversation where we might be doing a five-server virtual machine system with one of the Synology boxes. So that should be very, very good. All right. So, Alex, uh, this will be the part of the show where we do Florida Man or Random Question, and you said random question. Yeah. So... Let me pull up the random question here. Click refresh on the screen. Oh, well, this should be an interesting question for someone like you. Uh-oh. What's something you like to do the old-fashioned way? Ooh. That's a good one. I like I like toys. I like doing things the easy way. Um, <laughs> honestly, um, taking notes. I'm a huge pencil guy which is so weird, but I like a physical, like I have this, this, I am, I am a pencil. It's not guy. just a pencil, a number two, a number the time two, you have to put into a, a sharpener. A two, it is a number two. And and I have a sharpener here on my desk. It's, it's bright pink, so I can't lose it. But there you, go. you know, I'm, I, I am an avid pencil guy and um, even taking notes digitally on the go. Um, I'm an Apple pencil guy. So I love to handwrite my notes and there's just something to me about, I think it helps me remember if I write something down. But uh, I'm I'm very much a, a paper notes kind of guy. I have thousands and thousands and thousands of digital notes that I've taken from paper to digital. But um, I, I, I do them all the long way. Well, sounds good. I actually will answer this question, too. I normally don't answer the question, but I am similar in the fact that I like physical books. Yeah. I, I don't like the digital books. And one of the reasons is because I write notes in those books. And I'll underline sections and I'll, you know, mark on the side and stuff like that. And I keep them. And the book you mentioned earlier, Good to Great, I I can't reach it, but it's over there on my shelf. So (laughs) I think I think I have everything he ever wrote on Audible. Um, I was a big Audible guy when I was driving to and from my MSP an hour each way every day. And I would digest a ton of books that way. But yeah, Jim Collins is a fantastic author. Yep. You know what? I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes, too, that if you don't have that, uh, use my link, head over to the Amazon store and get it. That is and a very mentioned, very mentioned building a story brand. That's another fantastic book. Um, we, we really use that um, kind of building our company and, and building our brand. Um, building a story brand is great. And so is Blue Ocean Strategy. If, if any MSPs out there are trying to figure out what separates you from your from your competition, Blue Ocean Strategy and Story Brand. Fantastic. Concepts. All right. Are those also by Jim Collins? No, no, those okay. are, uh, I forget who writes either one of those. Um, and they're back behind my green screen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't get them. They're right there. They're right there. Uh, but, uh, but no, those are, those are both fantastic reads um, that, that are, are well worth it. The other one that I reference a lot is a Marcus Sheridan book, which is they ask you answer, um, which is kind of a, uh, if you get the same question or if you start to hear questions from your partner, from your customers or from your prospects, write, write an article about them and use them as a, as a metric, as a, as a feed, feed your content library with those questions and they'll start to turn into business. And uh, we've tried to do some of that. We just don't make enough time to write content. Is that a Jeffrey Gittimer book? No, that is okay. um, uh, Marcus Sheridan. All right. I, that reminded me of those, for some reason I thought, uh, Gittimer wrote that. Um, he wrote a similar book. Um, customer, customer service is worthless or something like that. And then he oh. changed it. It's a another good book along that. That's um, one I may have to go check out. 
I'll find it and I'll put that in the notes and uh, get that to you as well. All right. All right, Alex, uh, hang with me just a little bit here while we end off the show. And for those of you that are watching live, stay with us through the break here. We will be back and we can uh, continue the discussion and get any of your questions answered. Uh, For the rest of you are listening by audio. Thank you very much for downloading and subscribing to the show. If for some reason you want to go back and get any more notes, head over to podnutpro.com. There you'll find a back catalog of all the episodes. This should end up being episode number 363. And we will have everything related to Alex and Lifecycle Insights there. You will also see links to our sponsors. And I'd like to thank NetAlly for being the presenting sponsor. We also have the corporate Patreons, Computers Done Right. Be sure to check them out. And then we will also be having a list of other patrons uh, on the show notes as well. That is going to do it for this episode. I thank you all for being with us. We will see you again same time next week. And until then, holla. Holla. <laughs>